0: brunch, you know, and uh, put your vote in for yay or nay to, uh, to go tell it on the mountain. But recently I was listening to a, a Canadian singer-songwriter named Carolyn Oran. Some of you may know her. And she has a great album called An Irrational Season, which I think is very fitting. And uh, she has some great songs on there. And one is just uh, an invitation, Come and See. And it's a really an invitation to the mess of the manger, And so it goes, come and see, come and see. He is laying in the straw. He's a new baby boy. He's the hope of us all. And then the chorus continues, and it says this. Come and hear, come and hear. It's a sound both sweet and strange. It's the great love of God in the cry of a babe. It's the great love of God in the cry of a babe. I love that line. It's the great love of God in the cry of a babe. This Advent, we have been focusing on what are really traditional themes of Advent. These themes of hope and peace and love and next week joy. And I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that at a minimum, we need a yearly reminder of these gifts. These incredible gifts that have been brought to us, given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. What this story that the kids told us is all about. This little baby, this great love of God in the cry of a babe. And our hope and prayer is that you would take some time in this season just to slow the pace a little bit. The season where we're remembering what happened, but we're anticipating what's going to happen in terms of Christ's second coming, living in this tension of the already but not yet, but reflecting on these themes and Our invitation to you as a church, as we go into this Advent season, we've now been into it two weeks, this is already the third Sunday of Advent, is to let these themes just kind of resonate with you for a little bit, just to to reflect on what does it mean to have hope? What does it mean to just experience this profound peace in the person of Jesus? And of course, love and joy. And then, when we reflect on those things, how do we then respond to them? And so, I want to take a few moments just this morning in closing uh, to, to talk a little bit about this theme of love. You've probably heard this before, but love came down at Christmas. Just a simple way to remember what happened there at Christmas and what we celebrate is that love came down. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. And I was wondering if I would read them all, and I think I will, just because it will really set the context uh, for all of this, uh, for the rest of this message. But I'm reading First John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. The word of the Lord. And so here's this great passage in 1 John, written, of course, by the Apostle John, who in his own gospel, called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't know if that was an arrogant statement on his part, maybe a little measure of pride, maybe he was uh, trying to, you know, one-up some of the other uh, disciples. But maybe it was just that he actually embraced God's love for him, that he really got it, that he understood it. Because really, if we are in Christ, we too can say, that we are the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, there's so much in this passage that I read, and I'm not going to unpack all of it, but I just want us to simply look at a couple of truths here. You see, John is reminding us that the most wondrous story, this Christmas story that was so wonderfully uh, portrayed for us by our kids this morning, this story is all about a God who in his love came himself. To show us, in fact, what his love is all about. Uh, Let me ask you a question. How, How do you know when someone loves you? How do you know when someone loves you? Now if you're thinking about that very long, you might say, well, obviously, they tell you. You know, when my spouse tells me I love, love her or him, when I, my uh, my kids or whatever, they tell you, and there's obviously some truth to that. But it is more likely when that love is actually expressed in action. When there's something, you know, that the, the walk um, actually follows the talk. And in the same way, we know that God loves us Because of what he did and what he did for us. And so what did he do to show his love? Number one, just very simply, God showed his love by sending his only son. He showed his love by sending his only son. Verse 9 here in 1 John chapter 4 just simply says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might have life, life full and eternal life. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas, that God giving this most extraordinary gift to humanity by stepping into our world. And so we know what God did, and he showed his love by sending his only son. But secondly, God showed his love then by allowing Jesus, his son, to die for us. That's what God's gift is. Was. He, he, God's gift was sent to us. Jesus was sent to us to die for us. That's what John says in verse 10. He says, This is love, so we pay attention. He's now about to define it. And he says, That he, that is God, loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, from the time of Adam and Eve, humanity had fallen. And sin had broken the relationship between humanity and God. And because there was this break in the relationship, the only way that they knew to try to somehow make amends was to take a perfect lamb and to sacrifice it. And so they, they offered this, this sin offering in the Old Testament. But as we move into the New Testament, we discover that God had a plan. And his plan was to send his son Jesus into this world so that he could be that perfect lamb of god that once and for all sacrifice for us you see christmas isn't a standalone event without the birth of christ you wouldn't have then ultimately the death and resurrection or looked at another way if there was no cross there would be no need for a manger and this message is captured in some of the christmas songs Songs like, What Child Is This? If you pay attention to some of the lyrics. Now there's a verse that we didn't actually sing this morning, but it goes like this. Nails, spear, shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So, sin has separated us from God. And humanity needed to be saved from sin. We needed to be rescued. And so God stepped into our world in order to save us. But in order to do that, he had to, as Paul writes in Philippians, take on the form of a servant and willingly subject himself to the whole human experience. And then he died. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is how God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, here we have God who... Knew his creation. He knew our need. He knew that we had this need for rescue and for salvation. And so he stepped into our world to be with us and to save us. And this is what love is. It's actively meeting another person's need. And so God knew what we needed. So he sent a savior. That is love. So how do we then mature as a community of love? This is the question we've been asking throughout this entire series. How do we mature as a community of love? Well, first of all, I'm going to only give you two things. Last week I gave you six things. It's probably way too many. You probably only remember one or two. So I'm just going to give you one or two, and I think you'll be able to remember both of them. They'll be simple enough. The first is this, come and see. That's the invitation. So it's the Carolyn Arendt song. It's, it's the shepherds saying to one another, come and let's go and see what has happened, what the, everybody's talking about, what the angels talk to us about. And so the invitation always is to come and experience God's love, to receive this gift of love, of grace, and then to, after having received it, for, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, to just sit in the wonder of this love. and To think about the extent that God went to reconcile us to himself, to to make things right on that night as we heard. And when we do and we think about God's love for us, ultimately it will move us to love others. 1 John 4, verse 19 again, we love because he first loved us. And so the second thing that I think we can focus on in this season is simply express this way. Be present. Be present. Now, there may be lots of different ways of saying that, but just think this through with me for a little bit. You see, again, the wonder of Christmas is that God came, that Jesus came and entered into our world and became one of us. Fully God and yet fully man. This is what theologians call the incarnation. God coming and dwelling with his people. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. And in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 14, he just said it this way. He said, the word, that is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in the message. He just says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And moved into the neighborhood. Let me ask you, what makes a great gift? We have probably have spent lots of times thinking about getting a gift for the person and people that we love in our lives. But what makes a great gift? When I think about that for myself, I usually think about something that I need that maybe I can't or either won't buy for myself for some reason. It's something that I can't do for myself. Jesus came to save us from our sins. It was something that we couldn't do ourselves. But he came, and he was present. You see, the greatest present that you can give another person is in fact your presence that's why songs at christmas like home for the holidays or i'll be home for christmas talk about you know being present with the people that we love but it's also why grief is extra hard at christmas Because suddenly the ones that we love are no longer present with us in these moments. And the memories that we're building, we're no longer able to share those memories with the ones that we love. And that's why at TCC on Thursday night, we're going to have Blue Christmas. Just an invitation for those who really are experiencing that loss of the presence of someone that they love. And just to have time and space to process that in this season. And so when John writes... In verse 7, let us love one another. And then in verse 11, he goes, you know, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And the way that we can express that love for one another is intentionally being present in another person's life. The way that we can share God's love with others is by loving them the way that God loved us. That he came. He was present. He was available to us. So can I ask you to think about this? Where can your presence make a difference? Where can your presence make a difference? Tomorrow, some of those of you who are in junior high and high school, and you go to school, and and you think about that, that, that kid that nobody else really sits with, And you see them sitting there by themselves maybe every lunch hour or at some point throughout the day. And you realize that to step into that is maybe to become the object of other people's ridicule. Or the kid that they picked on, now you become the target because you're standing next to them. But you are being present to them. What difference would that make in that child's life? Maybe tomorrow at work, as an adult... There's that person in the office that's a little socially awkward that, that everybody else tends to avoid or they tend to talk about that person behind their back in, you know, in, 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 in the elevator or wherever you run into other people. And it's like, oh, can you imagine what they did today and whatever? And you just, you just want to avoid that person. But what difference would it make if you just went to them tomorrow and said, hey, do you want to do lunch? might need to make sure you know where the defibrillator is want to grab a coffee just to enter into somebody's world that nobody else is willing to go to and to say tell me your story let me just be present let me listen to what you do or maybe this week there's that neighbor that's just hard to love hard to love neighbors Remember when we lived in Armpire, we had a great relationship with the family beside us, the family across from us, the family that kind of lived diagonally from us. But then there was Jerry, cantankerous Jerry. You know, we played ball hockey on the street with the kids, and the ball would go on his front lawn, and all the kids were scared to even go retrieve it because they weren't sure if they were going to get yelled at. I wonder... What would have happened if maybe we invested as much time in Jerry as we did with some of the other neighbors? What if we had Jerry and his wife over for dinner in our house? How might that relationship have been different? How might that have made a difference in Jerry's life? Jerry, if you're listening, I'm sorry. He's not, I'm sure of it. (laughs) But just think about that. The simplicity of the practice of hospitality. You see, at Christmas time, it's easy to have the people that we love and like, they're close friends, we have them at home, and that's all great. But what if in the next week or two, you intentionally went out of your way to invite someone that you normally wouldn't have in your home? Jerry next door. Have him in your home. You see, our desire for each of us individually is that we would be the light of christ in our streets and in our neighborhoods and in our places of work wherever god takes us so that together as a church we can be a light or a lighthouse to this community as well and that's our desire in this community is to be a presence to to practice hospitality as it will were to to create spaces for neighbors to connect with neighbors and from day one in the life of TCC, that's been the vision behind community events like Spring Carnival and Friday at the Park. It's just an off- opportunity to practice hospitality, to bring people together, to feed them, and, to, and, and hopefully they get to connect with one another. And if you live in this community, to say, hey, hey to your neighbors, let's, let's go down to the park. They're serving hot dogs tonight, and we don't have to cook dinner. Let's take the kids and have a great time. But just expressing this hospitality... Winter Delight is all about that. You see, we love our community. We love Terwilliger by being present. So yes, the most wondrous story ever told, this powerful message of Christmas, is that God is love and that he showed his love in sending his son Jesus into the world. And then those who respond to his gift of love, those who commit themselves to following Jesus, are then called to show love to others. Can you just imagine with me a community of love? People like you and me, who have our own mess and our own brokenness, who know and have experienced the love of God, making an intentional effort to go out and love the people in our world. And that, my friends, is what Christmas is all about. I'm going to invite you to stand. I think Brad and Leanne are going to come, and we're going to sing a closing song together Um, that just reminds us again about the great love of God, the great love of God in the cry of a babe. Let me pray for us. Father, it's so easy for us to hear this story over and over and become so familiar with it and yet not let it grip our heart in some ways. And I pray, Father, in these Advent Sundays, as we reflect that hope, peace, love, and joy came in a person. And Father, that this great demonstration of your love was to send your Son into the mess and mock of our world. And we look at that whole scene that was depicted to us today of a babe born in a manger in a stable. It wasn't clean. It wasn't tidy. It wasn't neat. It was messy and it was stinky. Father, in the same way, I know that you challenge us, you invite us, you call us to get into the messiness around us. Father, if we're honest, we know that there are people probably that we avoid simply because we know maybe enough of their story and we don't want to get involved. And I pray, Father, that if you are challenging us by your Spirit to just be present in those situations to express love in the way that you expressed your love to us. So Father, thank you for this simple reminder that you are love, that you demonstrated love by sending your son and then having him die for us as an atonement for our sac- for our sins. This ultimate once and for all sacrifice. Father call us to those places where we do sacrificially love others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.